0: A good sign is when a UX writer is naming specific resources that they're reading and not, yeah, I'm just reading so many medium articles. You know, to me, that's not information that can help me understand that this person is proactive and they're interested in their development and they're looking for a material that is out there and they're looking to make themselves better.
1: This is Writers in Tech. A podcast where today's top content strategists ux writers and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets hello and welcome everyone to writers in tech a podcast brought to you by the ux writing hub a platform that educate people about ux writing content design ux copywriting ux copywriting, whatever you decide to call it these days we're going to talk about it how to write basically copy for digital apps for digital products we have a free course that you can check on our website, a weekly newsletter and the podcast writers in tech. And today we have special guests. I have Kate and Melanie of Quanto. Uh, I've been waiting for this call for a long, uh, a long time now uh, and I'm very happy to have you here. How are you?
0: Oh, good in here.
1: I'm good. How are you, Kate?
0: Perfect. Excited to be here. Also, was looking forward to this this podcast together. Always a pleasure to uh, chat with you, Yuval, and obviously happy to be here with my partner in crime, Melanie. Likewise.
1: So you work together on the product of Quanto. So tell us a little bit uh, more about uh, your background, first of all and how your team is structured, basically, so you could work. So
0: I'm the senior lead UX writer, Ponto, and essentially what we do with Melanie, we balance the management of the UX writing team. So she is managing a part of the team and I'm managing the other part of the team. Actually, we're lucky to welcome our third lead right now. So she joined us just a couple of weeks ago. So it's going to be three leads right now. So, you know, in terms of the structure of the team, it's definitely, you know, maturing and growing. So right now... We have us, the three leads. We also have three experts. One of them is actually focusing on the content ops within. The-
1: so first of all, content ops, content operation. That's uh, amazing. I would love to learn more about that as well. It's a content that is overlooked. Nobody's actually almost talking about it. So I would love to learn more about that. But so how many overall writers do you have in quanto? So you have three leads, three specialists. And how many do you have more writers in your team?
2: Yeah, we're currently, so, 18 uh, UX writers. I think it's one of the biggest uh, team in Europe, so we're quite proud of of this. Still hiring, maybe we can talk about this later. And so, yeah, indeed, like, the team, we have, like, a, as Kate said, like, all profiles, from junior also to senior and, as I said, like experts. And yeah, it's split like between the, the three different team at uh, leads, And each UX writer is assigned to a CFT, so which is like a cross-functional team where basically we have like all expertise. We strongly believe we need to build a good UX and a good product. So we all have product designers, product marketing managers, product managers, of course, and engineers, and of course UX writers. So each one of them is assigned to a CFT, so it allows them to also get specialized on the part of the product. And currently, they are also assigned to a market. So Conto is uh, available on on four markets, so France, Italy, Germany, and, and Spain. And we handle internally the localization, Um, So, for example, if I work on a project, I will work in English, which is what we call the master, the language where we all align on. And then we localize uh, within the team in those languages. So I will work in French. Someone in the team will work in Italian, in Spanish and in German. So that's uh, a little bit the approach and the structure we have currently in the team.
1: Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So in your team, basically, every UX writer knows is bilingual, basically.
2: Yeah, all work in, in two languages at the moment. Yes.
1: And do they speak like
2: native English
1: or is just like the master English that they later on localize? Uh,
2: so they are not all of them are not native, but they speak like perfectly English. That's one indeed one of our uh, requirements But we have. We do have native within the team. So in, in any case, we have like that, that uh, English check, let's say, to make sure that the master is qualitative. And then we will localize and all of them are like native in the language they localize. It was like the best way for us to ensure actually that the UX and the quality we're building in English will be exactly the same in other languages and that like users when using the Conto app, no matter in which language they're actually Doing it, they have exactly the same level of quality.
1: That's really interesting. But before we will dive more into that, let's break it down. First of all, Quanto is a fintech app. And in our community, based on their Salaga survey that served in 2022, the biggest industry for UX writers right now is fintech. Like 30, 40%, something like that, of people that register are working in fintech apps, fintech uh, for the people that don't know uh, financial technology. So all of the banking apps might be considered fintech, all of the payment apps, all of the investment apps, crypto apps, um, and so on. So Quanto is a fintech app. So can you explain exactly what is the product of Quanto?
0: Yeah, so Quanto is a company that is serving business creators. So essentially if you have a small business, so relatively small from 1 to 10 people maybe up to 50 people, you probably will have some financial operations to do, transactions, payments, invoices and so on. So that's you know a pretty, you know, realistic pain that small businesses but also freelancers go through because you know when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of like need to also handle that part of, of your business. So essentially what Quanto does, Konto wants to help people focus more time on their business, on creating their business and spend less time on banking. So our mission is to, you know, kind of energize people and let them do what they're passionate about and leave all of the finance things to us. So we kind of simplify all of these different operations through Quanto. So essentially, if we're talking in in, in a bit of a terms, it's a B two B product. So we work with freelancers and businesses, not directly with the consumers.
1: Mm-hmm. And what would be the difference from Quanto, for example, for and people, for example, know Stripe. Stripe is a service that help. Companies to do payments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how is the difference from that? Like, what kind of areas Quanto have that you offer for for businesses, basically?
2: Yes, as Kate said, it's basically like really all in one that allows you actually to manage like everything all your financial aspects. So from indeed like payment to invoicing, to managing your suppliers, your, client, your clients, but directly really within the app. So we're like kind of uh, on the bookkeeping side, also like pay, but get paid as well. So that's mm-hmm. like, you know, one place you can find everything. You can also like actually connect your Conto account. We have like a dedicated section called Connect where you can connect your Conto account through like the tools that you're using on a daily basis as well. So to like save time again, that will be the, the approach we have. And we also uh, work on a capital deposit. So actually clients can create also their company with Conto. So we really guide them through like uh, company creation until like having a business account with Conto. That's awesome. Okay.
1: So basically, when it comes to UX processes within the, this financial app that have a lot of different areas for different businesses, to my understanding, uh, which might be also a complicated topic for people that are not coming from, you know, business business side of things, but freelancers understand that like bookkeeping and invoicing and all of those. So every UX team is focusing on different areas of the app, correct?
2: Exactly. So uh, when we mentioned like the, the CFTs, those kind of squads, they're like indeed focusing on one part of the product. So you have like a transfer CFT, get paid CFT, pricing CFT. So really like different parts or like topics from the product. So which is like really great because you have like really big knowledge, like people really mastering actually the topic and the relevant stakeholders like to help you actually like solve those these user pain points. So like it's uh, super interesting. It's not a frame user, like you can really, yes, uh, switch like from one part of the product to another, but uh, it's a first a first step into the content product.
1: Mm-hmm. And Kate, as leads, for example, how does it look like when, um, on the management side of things, like how do you operate yourself within the management? So how does it look like exactly?
0: Just to, you know, to make sure that I understand you correctly, do you mean that our role in, as leads in, you know, in supporting our UX writers within the CFTs?
1: So basically, I try to understand the structure of the team. Each of you is a content lead and you manage a few writers in the areas that you're in charge of. I assume that those are different tests and mm-hmm. cross-functional teams. But how do you work with designers and product managers and people that manage you, basically? So how does it look like when you need What's the processes look like? Basically, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm asking.
0: So from a management perspective, we're all reporting into design and design is a part of product. So our, you know, let's say management is a design director, is our direct manager. So when it comes to collaboration with, you know, PMs and the different teams, it's more about partnership and it's more about making sure that each team make, you know, is successful. So as leads, you know, a role that is, requires a certain experience, it is all about, you know, helping out when there's a problem, helping out in, you know, developing the team of UX writers, maybe helping with certain issues that arise, which is, you know, a normal kind of part of the product cycle. Product development cycle. So these, and as well as you know, aligning with other leads. So we collaborate a lot with product design leads, with the PMs to understand the priorities, with the PMMs to understand how the feature will actually be communicated later on, and so on.
2: Okay. Yes. And maybe to complete what just Kate mentioned, actually, like on the more operational side, let's say each. PM, each product manager, each product designer, each product marketing manager is also actually assigned to a CFT. So we really have like all the expertises working together. That's really like the focus we we want to put on. Like it's gathering those expertises, working like exactly on the same feature at the same time at the same speed. Definitely a, a challenge on a daily basis, and that's why we're here. But uh, that's really the collaboration we can have between uh, between all those expertises.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you collaborate, what kind of tools do you use? Do you collaborate on the design tool on Figma or will you have like sprints on Jira? And how does it work technically?
0: Um, I mean, something that I love about Conto and that made me really excited to join is the fact that Conto is a, a Notion based company. So right. we document everything on Notion, but we also kind of have our work set up on Notion. So we have the Kanban with all the, you know, conditions all there. So that is kind of our visual management tool that helps us understand what is important, who's working on what and where, you know, we might have a delay in terms of delivery. So that's, you know, our, I think one of our main tools, of course, when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to production, yes, it's Figma. So we're also huge fans of, of this tool. And that's the place where a UX writer and, and product designer collaborate and work together, you know, but also at certain point, there's it's also a tool that we use we use to actually pass the info to the uh, to the developer. So you know, super lovable tool for for us as well. And then uh, Slack, of course, for all the comms to make sure that we're aligned, we're on the same page, um, and so on.
1: And so you said the whole company is using Notion, even like people, really?
0: Yes, yes. And
1: it works well. You're saying yes yeah. how do you set up like a, a notion doc like how does it look like when you want to manage a team of like 18 people for example in being um, like a bigger team of like hundreds of people
2: yeah that's the good thing with notion actually and i'm definitely not mastering this tool at 100 percent. but with like databases and views and filters you can actually have like your really your own view really set for you we have our common Kanban, so on the UX-raying side, so for Kate, Fiorella, and I, but with different filters. So actually, like, I can access, like, to Kate's team if I want, to Fiorella's team as well, but most of the time on a daily basis, I look only at, let's say, what I want to look at, but uh, we still have everything uh, accessible, and it's, like, we actually share, like, what we call the product feature Kanban, so really, like, uh, From backlog to delivery, like all the pieces we're currently working on and we share it at the product level. that's a common database, but then we all have like different filters to look only at what we want to look at.
1: And with refilling that Kanban, are you just filling it on a daily basis or the product manager is filling it? And also, how do you prioritize tasks in that Kanban?
2: Exactly. Thanks to visual management, actually, we will focus on what's the closest to be done, making sure like, okay, how can we help put this piece in done and how can we help the team then to reach the goal? And on a daily basis, we actually meet every single day, like we have a, a daily. So uh, at the UX writing uh, level, so okay, it has a daily with our team, same on my side and same uh, for uh, Fiorella, where we will more focus really on, on the craft UX writing and how can we help the team reach the goals. But they also have one at the CFT level, where indeed they also look uh, like okay today that's the focus of the day team what you will do on the index writing side on your side on on the product design side product management side and so yeah most of the time it's the pm who is in charge like making sure that all that the visual management actually it's okay we update it on a on a daily basis it's not that say this way it can sound like a kind of loss of bureaucracy but actually it's like super easy with notion and this visual management and then it's more about like we set up like a pool schedule basically and like we have the different gestures of everyone like atas and everything and we just follow it every day so it's kind of easy except when we're like we have some delays or some issues and at least it's really highlighted and we're like okay how can we help you then
1: sounds a uh, very smart way to manage it
2: <laughs> it is indeed and super super helpful
1: it's good is it part of the design sprints i assume or like a product sprints
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're a part of the product cycle, let's say. So essentially, mm-hmm. when, whenever a project is launched, so it can be a new feature, or it can be an improvement, then we actually receive a card that is pulled on our Kanban board. And that's how we understand that that's, that's something that is coming, we can see the date, the deadlines, and sort of understand how we can organize ourselves in order to help the team uh, to work on this.
1: And the design director is the one that pushed that card, correct?
0: Uh, product manager of the CFT. Product
1: manager. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Product manager. yeah.
2: I see. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe something that we, that we didn't mention and that's quite important here, that actually we work in what we call one-piece flow at Conto. So basically we focus only on one feature at the time. I mean, like we, have like, we are pulling different features, but each person working on a project, is working only in one project. So we're not like multitasking, like working on two, three, four different features. It's only one. So it's easier, let's say, to know what's the focus because like each CFT, then each squad is pulling only one piece. So you know that when you're done with this one, you will start pulling another one with your team, with exactly the same team. So I guess that's why it's way easier to manage on a daily basis.
1: That's so smart. So focus is important. Exactly. You know, for me, as I'm not a UX writing manager. I'm just the the manager of the UX writing hub. But it's really difficult sometimes to prioritize, to focus, to make sure that the team is focused and so on. So when focusing only on one thing at a time that you can say at the end of it, okay, set two, it's done. We're not doing it anymore. Moving to the next thing. I think it's a very smart way to, to manage, basically.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And same like also in terms of quality, that's the best way to to reach quality because you are like focusing only in one thing. So that's also the approach we have to make sure that the team can build quality and deliver quality for our users. But also like yeah, on a daily basis to have like peace of mind also. And it's on Kate, Fiorella and and me to make sure that they have this uh, space actually to, to work properly. Very cool. Kate?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to add that it's a bit about also Quanto's philosophy. We call it the Quanto Way. So but it's essentially, you know, the way that we work, the way that we approach work and you know, being in one piece flow and focusing only on one thing is is also something that is very uncommon, right? We're all coming from from worlds that, that are all about multitasking and doing one million things at a time. But it's you know, it's pretty unique to see how religious Quanto is about, you know, implementing the lean methodology in their work and, you know, kind of building this culture within, you know, its product.
1: Very cool. And within every card that you receive, you have different tasks, and you assign different tests to different people in your team,
0: correct? Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, uh, since we do have UX writers assigned already to a certain team, So there's, you know, it's pretty obvious who is going to work on that card. Sometimes, of course, it happens that there are a couple of cards that are arriving from a couple of different teams. So sometimes we might need to move people around, again, to avoid having one person working on multiple things because the team is feeling super productive and also to, you know, kind of distribute the tasks. But in the end, you know, people that are responsible, let's say, for the bookkeeping team they will be working on the bookkeeping tasks that are coming from that.
1: And we did talk about localization. So when, in what part localization steps in? So I know that the master is English, right? Everything happens in English, but how does the localization, when does the localization step in? Is it by the end or is it during the sprint? Is it out of the sprint? Or is it a completely different task? How does it work okay.
2: Good question. <laughs> it actually happens after so the specs phase. So as you said, we work like on on master. We run a, a copy challenge actually within the team. Well, so a, a big team, so full of talents. So we rely a lot on it, and it will be basically so the person working on the project presenting to the team. So like it can with a lead, an expert, or uh, someone else from the team, and it will be about gathering feedback. It's so the best way to reach like mastery and quality. And so the team will just ask questions actually to make the person reflect on what they've been doing, why they did things this way. There are another way to do things, understanding also the rationale behind each choices, sorry. And we work on also like so on what we call like UX copy paper, basically gathering actually all this knowledge, all this research we can run about content. So it's easier for us then to align stakeholders and rationalize our choices. And yeah. After following this uh, this copy challenge, we finalize a master, we handle the feedback, apply the feedback or not, depending on the case. And we align final alignment with product manager and product designer. So then we don't look only at at copy or design or, or like just UI, UX. It's really like, okay, this is a solution. This was like the initial user pain point. This is a solution do we believe folks that with this solution we're actually reaching what we tried to, to reach at first and then so we move to most of the time it's like yes we strongly believe that what we're doing is good we move to a localization on our side and then so we have what we call the localization pipe to make it again, like visual management to make it visible to the team that, okay, this piece is coming. And as a tool, we work, uh, we localize. So our localization tool, which has like a translation memory, glossary as well. So super helpful also like to keep consistency across the product. So, okay, last time, that's the word I used. So I should use it here as well. And so we have kind of a brief about this uh, localization, but the team will mainly rely on the UX copy paper, trying to understand the choices that the one working on the master made To apply them also in their language, and so it happens during specs phase. We're finalizing visual specs. We work with uh, visual specs at Conto. We work on our side with localization. I skipped some parts, but we work closely at this stage with uh, engineers, actually syncing with them. Like, okay, if we have like variables, how to handle them? How to handle also the keys creation, the different strings uh, within the tool. So it's really part also of workflow and super interesting meeting most of the time. have like super useful back and once we're good with everything and localized it goes in delivery meaning like on the tech-
1: okay and okay so i have a question let's say that my cross-functional team i'm in charge of invoicing and i speak spanish oh you know what i speak french and i'm <laughs> in charge of the invoicing and right now we want to localize specifically that area to spanish So what does the pipeline look like if the Spanish-speaking UX writer is not in charge of that specific area of the product?
2: Actually, each piece, like each feature, is localized in all languages. So maybe that's also easier. So they're not in charge of it. So you've been working on your piece. You have your English ready. Then when we go in localization, you will handle the French. And you will, in our localization pipe, so this visual, visual management tool, you will create like, this gesture is on your side, you will create like three cards, one for the Spanish market, one for the German market, and one for the Italian market. And during the daily, when looking at, at the with, with the team, we'll see, okay, we have this one with like setting up like ATAs and we will see uh, with the team, okay, this one is for, is doing in two days. Do you think you can handle it between, uh, between those two days? yes and then they will pull this card on their own so it's kind of uh, more like a autonomous on uh, at this stage and it's apart from the cft this one because i can and indeed I, localize every piece
0: and i think something important to add is that when these localization request is being triggered it it has also you know enough context for the pe- uh, for the person that is going to localize the task to understand and have all the tools to deliver localization of high quality. But I think, you know, the just the unusual thing is that we are a UX writing team, but we're a pretty unique UX writing team from a, from that perspective that we're doing localization internally. So it's never that's about amazing. like going and knocking at somebody's door and saying, hey, can you please localize this, you know, with people that have no context, but we're all kind of part of, of this product. And that's You know, since the team is collaborating a lot between them and there's a lot of teamwork, I think in terms of also, you know, speaking the same language and understanding what is expected in terms of localization, you know, it's pretty easy.
1: You know, Kate, it's a a good scenario if you have someone that you can knock on their door and they could localize your product even (laughs) without context. In a lot of companies, it's just like you have... Translation services and and in those scenarios, when you outsource the localization, everything looks weird, right? Mm-hmm. The app doesn't yeah, make any sense because translators are not UX writers. They don't have context and they don't have UX understanding of products. So they don't know even like what they're writing for. So having internally the UX localization based in the UX writing team First of all, now I understand why Quantos keep hiring all the time because hiring like bilingual, you're very specific with the type of people that you choose to work with. But I assume that like working in your team is a very interesting opportunity for everyone that would like to work there.
0: We hope so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and let's say that you're like, I know that you keep, you just keep hiring and hiring for the past two years. I'm hearing about Quanto just keep hiring. So let's say that you're hiring right now what are you going to i want to apply so what are you going to check how does the process is going to look like when hiring a ux writer for a team a ux writer for a team even like from a localization point of view like what exactly are you checking with this candidate
0: maybe before we go into you know in the specific process we can also talk about you know the future of our approach in terms of having you mm-hmm. know bilingual ux writers You rightfully, you know, pointed out that it's difficult to find people like that. uh, Because, I mean, I'm, for example, I have worked as a UX writer in the past, but I never worked as a UX writer in a couple of languages. And to me, like, just imagining that I'm writing UX uh, copy in Italian, which I do speak well, it's hard, you know, it's not just that if you speak Italian, you can do UX writing in Italian, you know, like that. So it's difficult to hire. So right now for us, it's a bit of a decision to understand how do we move forward with this setting? Is this setting is scalable? So we don't really have an answer at the moment, but that's something that we're considering. You know, how, how long we can keep hiring and looking for, you know, people with this specific skill set. Or should we actually open up for people that are, you know, just working in one language and how do we kind of modify our setting in the future? So that's a bit of a question mark for us as a team strategically to understand what will work as we're growing as a company. And, you know, the needs that we have in terms of the product are, you know, multiplying essentially.
1: Um, So with that being said what's the future looks like what do you think uh, how do you think it, you could scale those localization uh, like when chatting about strategy right now what are you currently chatting about
0: i can you know share a few thoughts that i have and then maybe melanie can add some of her thoughts but to me you know this unique setting is it's hard to scale and there might be for us a decision to actually, you know, somehow divide these functions. How that is going to happen, we don't know yet. Uh, But we obviously, you know, want to make sure that the team is happy and we make the decision that empowers the team and not, you know, makes them feel not valued and so on. But since, you know, the market is pretty challenging when it comes to this bilingual skill of UX writing, we might consider, you know, dividing the function and you know having ux writing separate from localization close together you know not far away so so the door is is pretty close to us but at least you know so we can empower the people to focus more on on the ux writing
1: Mm -hmm. i know in different companies that uh, you have like a core team of ux folks ux writers and then in every language you have like the language experts, like Finnish and uh, German and so on, and depends on the content heaviness of the product or you have underneath them outsourced amount of translators basically. So that's uh, what I've heard in different companies, but I'm pretty confident that with every product, it's going to look different. The product. That I know that works like that is a product that is extremely content heavy and it's a marketplace and it's probably very different from a fintech app, for example.
0: Yeah. For us, you know, the number one priority will be and always will remain quality. So, and this is the main reason why we had bilingual UX writers in the first place, because we didn't want to outsource and have, you know, the common issues that companies are facing with, you know, external providers but to have, you know, everything handled in-house with people that really understand the product and have the skill to understand, you know, how the user interface works. So that's, I think, the guiding star of, of uh, the decision that was made uh, some time ago, and it will still be our guiding star when we will, you know, consider changing our approach as we scale.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Regardless to localization, Melanie, and when you hire a UX writer, someone just applied, they want to work with you, what will be uh, your hiring? hiring process?
2: So they will meet with Yann. We have like a dedicated talent acquisition manager who is doing an amazing job. She's really one hundred percent dedicated to this to this job. And they will have so first HR interview with her, trying to understand so if it matches our what we call persona zero. Also, like in terms of uh, uh, team methodology, the approach we have. Also. What do they want to learn? What do they want to improve? What's also like the project that they have in mind? How do they want uh, to to evolve? So she will assess that. Then we will move to a direct manager interview. So it will be with Kate, Fiorella, or me, where we will it's really like open discussion trying to understand indeed at which stage of the career they are like the trying to assess like the models and and the standards how they do they see uh things uh say like uh, kate mentioned like the, the counterway, really the approach we have it will be about yeah making the team the team reflect on what they do why they do things this way and so we really have like that kind of discussion. will be also about understanding how they picture the collaboration with product designers who really are looking for people who are like in a proactive posture, not really like a more position of execution, which sometimes can be the case based on like really like the, the structure of the of the company. So we we will have really someone, we will be looking for someone really like into teamwork, into collaboration, communication with the team, understanding also other stakeholders' pain point and how we can actually help them being really in this continuous improvement mindset. And anything that goes well, we have like a skill test. I know it's not the de- ideal, and we have like like really two scores on 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 this. On our side, we. So far, we thought it was like the best way to to assess skills, and we really see this as a basis of discussion. It's not like, okay, this is an exercise that you do at home, you send it back, and we give you our feedback. Nope, it's really a basis of discussion. Then we have, it's a part of our flow, actually, directly in Figma as well. We have like some lorem ipsum, which breaks my ears just to, to say it, but it's like, okay, this is the goal of the screen. What Uh, for you will be the best user journey, best information to share at this stage of the journey and trying to assess also the approach they have, the research that they might be running, assumptions they're making as well, so uh, a few things that we will check. And then we have so debrief uh, during uh, one hour, so it will be one lead plus someone from the team and it will be basically kind of the copy challenge I mentioned earlier. Just asking questions, trying to understand the approach, the rationale behind choices and reflect really together on, on the piece, not saying, this is okay this is not it's really open discussion and then yeah if if this goes well it goes to the design director so our manager the head of a department and and finally they might be able to join the team
1: Um, it's amazing but i have a question right now so it's pretty difficult based on an interview to see if someone is going to be proactive, for example, and collaborative and so on. So what kind of indicators do you have to, like, what is the small details that you get that say, okay, this person is right for me for and for my team?
2: Um, super interesting question maybe I can share and, and then Kate as well like so I've been running interviews since like three years and a half now and most actually of the candidates that I've met they're actually not part of the team I mean they were the only UX writer so maybe it's a little bit easier but most of the time when actually they share their frustration of not being involved earlier of working on their own of not being able to ask questions to designers product managers challenge designs that kind of stuff it actually triggers something I'm like okay this person really understood that they can't work on their own. This is kind of a silo. They're just like focusing maybe more on the writing part than UX and it really triggers something. We can also see that like in on the skill test based on the ability they have to make assumptions when most of the time it's like, Okay, I actually didn't have this information, so I made this assumption. But I will definitely ask to EM to a product designer. We will iterate on that. Also, ability to make suggestions, indeed, on on the design, based on like, okay, the hierarchy of information wasn't good here, and I thought like it would be better to do it this way. But I will have discussed it with my team, so we can have like those signals. Of course, it's not always easy, as you say, it's a conversation, and then we have what's going on on a daily basis on the field but but it's already a first step super interesting
0: yeah i mean to to me an important marker is i guess the curiosity of the candidate so you know simple questions that that you know many of us ask during the interviews are you know about the products that that uh, ux writers are inspired from or how they're learning you know what kind of um I don't know, books or materials, resources they're using to actually, you know, work on their skills. So, you know, these things, also from my experience, it's an easy question and an easy question to fail. You know, people are not prepared usually to answer that question and they provide, you know, very, I don't know, not interesting answers when it comes to, you know, their research. And that's, that is to me like how much you're actually looking around to understand how the industry is moving. A good sign is when a UX writer is naming specific resources that they're reading and not, yeah, I'm just reading so many medium articles. You know, to me, that's not information that can help me understand that this person is proactive and they're interested in their development and they're looking for a material that is out there and they're looking to make themselves better. So that is a bit about also motivation to develop themselves. And I think that directly influences the way that, you know, these people are taking initiative or not, because initiative is a bit, you know, it's a bit about having that energy inside that you want to kind of like share with the world. And you definitely get that through curiosity and obviously also the questions that the candidates ask during the interviews you know sometimes I'm like do you have any questions for me and you know the questions are more like HR related something you know totally irrelevant for me as the person who is attending this time and dedicating this time to this person so I'm you know I'm expecting something more specific about the product some something more specific about you know the industry and so on. So, so yeah, that's kind of the things that I'm looking for, but I also like to ask direct questions, you know, when there was a project that the person actually kickstarted and it wasn't a project that the person participated in and somebody came and gave them the task and they did it, but more like there was a problem. I searched for it, you know, I found it and I solved it and it kind of helped to make this impact on the customer on the business, and that was my idea. And you can easily spot that through questions because, you know, if you kind of like ask, okay, who wasn't in, in that group? Because often people come and say, oh, I have this, you know, incredible number that I have achieved in terms of conversions, and oh my gosh. And when you start asking the person, like, okay, and, and what did you do? Oh, well, actually, there was a team of 50 people that was working on this project, and I was just like, I don't know, holding a torch. So, uh, you know, in that case, I don't understand, like, what's your contribution there? That, to me, is not about, you know, kind of like driving the initiative, but more just being a part of it.
1: Yes. Adding, like, context, what was your part of the project is extremely important when when you look on uh, candidates. So I have two questions. I will ask the question that just popped in my head. So we have people right now in the audience listening, and they're like, I don't think I have enough experience right now to apply, but I do want to build myself enough experience to apply. So when is like the border? Like how much is enough experience to work in your team? Or what kind of experience do I need? Is it okay if I'm just a UX designer during the transition for UX writing, for
0: example? Maybe we can speak about, you know, kind of specific markers that are important for us. Uh, rather than give advice to people what they should be doing. But I think, you know, a very common thing that we're looking for is that experience of collaboration. So we want, you know, when we're meeting a UX writer that has never worked with a product designer for us, I, I don't want to call it a red flag, but it's, you know, we understand that there's no experience in that field, and it will be hard for them to be integrated in the team. So it's, you know, it's a whole lot of work to kind of understand the setting, and what's the posture of the UX writer within the team, and so on. So that experience of collaboration and teamwork, which is, again, one of our key values at Conto, is something that we're really looking into a candidate. So like, how do they work with others? And I think that There's plenty of examples that people can bring from their previous experiences to show like how that collaboration has worked. It's not always the case, you know? We don't really, we kind of struggle to to see that. And I guess the second one is, of course, quality. You know, small mistakes like typos, something that, you know, the person was clearly rushing, just had, you know, there's a little thing on the test task. For us, that's a red flag. Because for us, it means, I'm rushing. I don't really care about this application. So here you go. Whatever. <laughs> so for us, it's important to kind of see the dedication, the interest because, you know, I, I think Contra is a bunch of passionate people, you know, that, that are shaping this product for for entrepreneurs and business creators. And this is what we're looking for, passion. We're looking for people that uh, want to kind of, let, they're interested, you know, they're curious. And I'm not talking about, you know, work is the only reason that I exist, but more like they have curiosity. They're interested in helping in, in you know, finding this creative solution, you know, that we're trying to solve, you know, to break even in this boring banking world, essentially. So, so yeah, that's a few cents from me. And Mel, I think you have a lot to say as well there.
2: Yeah, actually, you said it all. It won't be about experience, but definitely about mindsets. So yeah, people like who is like user who has user empathy, who is willing to learn, to as Kate said, like to collaborate, focusing really on, on teamwork and being able to step back. That's what we will look for. So let's say it doesn't matter which experience you you have most of the time actually you can use them also like on the ux writing field we have like all backgrounds within the team it's great actually to see to see where everyone is coming from but we have actually a common mindset and and appetite actually for like yeah solving problems every single day
1: that's uh, thank you for taking the time to to answer this question and i have so many other questions that i want to cover today i feel like we you know it's the end of the episode already so i feel like might be even part one of something that maybe we will do even one more interview because I am also in, interested about, for example, design systems and how you actually communicate inside of the design tool and also specific challenges of a fintech product that I think we haven't fully covered. So I feel like we have a room here for part two, but that's the end of part one because we don't have We're more time. We're definitely up for it. <laughs> yeah? Oh, yeah. So... Let's do it. I'm I'm down. I'm down. Let's do it. So the last question that I have for you today would be, how do you think we should name this episode? So That's a question that we ask every guest on the podcast. Um, And that's a challenging question, I always say, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I will say that we did talk about hiring and we did talk about your amazing process of UX writing management that I think is absolutely mind-blowing. We talk about the technicalities of it, which I think will help many people around the world to improve their UX writing management, and I, and that's pretty awesome. And So that's about it, and uh, we can also take it offline by the way, and, and do
0: it afterwards. I don't know, we can end with an inspirational quote. I don't know if maybe, Mel, you have something in mind, but, you know, as a as a team, you know, as a, one of the biggest team in Europe, you know, we're obviously like super excited to get like more amazing teammates to our team. <laughs> and I think that, you know, Konto, to me personally, it's a pretty, you know, unique place to be because it's really about solving a customer pain point and in the end you know we talk about management we talk about processes you know a lot of technical stuff but in the end all we do is at quanto we do for the customers and i think this is what kind of makes also this this product so interesting because it's the key focus in the end and and also obviously the people that make this product a reality so can, yeah
1: just can i make a suggestion yeah you know, it's a podcast and it's a content. So, a uh, lot of time we need to do like some kind of a clickbait.
0: Yeah, what yeah, do you yeah.
1: think about something like? Maybe it, it might sound a bit cocky with like the tone, but something like how we've built the biggest GX running team in Europe, something like that. And then That's you know, kind of bold. It's mm. bold, but you said it's uh, the biggest GX running team in Europe. So, you know, and then people will listen to team, I, I, I have the a. Team, how you hire. Yeah.
0: I have a catchy phrase, which See. is, and I think that's pre- pretty, pretty unique. So Konto as a company, believes that UX writing is critical to building a great product. So to Konto, without UX writing, great product is not possible. So I think, you know, and this is what kind of makes the product stand out, but also it's just the mindset of the team. So we do evangelize, but we don't need to do it as much because we feel valued, you know, because there is this thinking and understanding what a good user experience is. And it cannot be without a UX writer. So it's just another reminder that whatever we're doing here, you know, with all the folks that are listening to us, it's so important. And it's, you know, it's changing the world. So, yeah, we should be proud of ourselves. So-
1: <laughs> the, um, I think it's so important that stakeholders, design directors, and decision makers, entrepreneurs, CEOs would understand the thing that you understood at Quanto, because if this topic was overlooked and was not UX writing was not fundamentally integrated with most companies until this very day. And the fact that you're doing it, I think it's pretty, pretty wild and pretty good. And that's why probably. You're doing so great, and that's awesome. Okay, I think we have enough content also to to think how to name this episode. Our editor, let's we will leave it to the editor now to decide. Okay. Um, and uh, that's about it. Mel and Kate, thank you so much for being here today. It was a lot of fun. I learned thank a lot. Thank you
2: for having us.
0: Thank you for um, having
1: us. Yeah. And I enjoyed, it, by the way, I really enjoyed it.
0: Likewise, thanks for nice. always making it such an you know easy experience. And yeah, talking to you, you know, the only thing that is missing is a glass of wine. That's what.
1: I mean. ah, next time, <laughs> that's that, that's in part two. In part two, have <laughs> also glass. Then,
2: oh, next part <laughs> definitely.
1: <laughs> so thank you, and thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Records in Tech. Feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter and check the free course on our website it's uxwritinghub.com my name is yuval keshtecher i am the founder and ceo of the ux writing hub i started this thing long time ago few years ago the industry has changed you can see like how amazing companies are building amazing uh, teams right now that are growing fast and by the way if you currently looking for a job as ux writers know that quanto is hiring and you have the chance if you want to be integrated in these nice processes and, and smart processes and work with Kate and Mel and Fiorella and the team, so uh, this is your chance. Uh, so apply. We will leave a link also in the show notes, so we'll have a quick way to do so. And that's about it. See you on the next episode. Ciao. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets.